Hi, you guys. This is Kayla. I'm Kayla. <laughs> and I'm back. Thank you guys for joining us. I hope your day has been fucking amazing. And you're listening to Black True Crime. Hello, 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 and a bottle of Joe. We're back for another episode. Swam bam. I got the nope, not gonna go there. Hey guys, it's Kayla. Welcome back to Black True Crime. Today we are going to get into some more of LFJ. I don't know why I'm rhyming today. It's just, you know, coming out of me like, I don't know. Fire out of, nope, not going to go there. Yeah, my day's been great. Thanks for asking. Um, Before we jump right into it, because I don't want to waste too much time because I feel like I wasted a lot of time last episode, we have some important things to get down to. First thing, we are on Apple Music now. I hope that doesn't end up, end up sounding too crazy the recording but yay super excited super happy about that so you apple music users you iphone connoisseurs you guys can get your fix of black true crime over there now so i'm happy um ig shout outs next thing so last episode we went over the first 10 yay this episode at the end we're going to discuss the next 10 so We'll be at 20. Now, at this moment, um, I'm only deciding to do it for the first 100. I may change my mind. Um, But as of two seconds ago, we are at 88 followers. So, yeah, keep following and recommending your friends so I can shout you guys out. Thanks for the support, by the way. And last but not least... Um, recommendations are always welcome. The best way to get them to me, the quickest way to get them to me would be through DMing me through on IG, on our IG page at Black True Crime Podcast. And I will start putting out what you guys want to hear because I already have a list of like 40 things that I want to hear. So we can work together on this. Okay. All right. I'm ready to get into the nitty gritty. Let's do this. Okay, so when we were last together, we were discussing the only quote unquote documented survivor of LFJ, Miss Washington. I said I wouldn't pronounce her name wrong, and I'm not going to give myself the opportunity. So, Miss Washington, the bet like the badass bitch that she is, she survived this crazy cuckoo for Coco Puff's fucking man, and was able to get away. She met with a sketch artist. She pointed out a house that was two door down from him. Like she really gave them a lot of information. She described the car that he was driving, a lot of useful stuff, but. Naturally, the LAPD was no help at all, consistently. So we're going to get into the investigation a little bit now. Um, They refused to really take the murder seriously because 
and this is pure speculation, but like kind of not, most of these victims were addicted to crack cocaine and or prostituting. So they just honestly didn't care. Um, I mean, it's horrible to think this, but people like that are considered to be, you know, this lower totem pole section. So not many people do care about their well-being, but they still are people. And I care. So, yeah. Okay. It's still a crime to kill them. Like, hello. Even if your moral system is completely fucked. So, according to the LA Times, I found like this document or document, sorry, document, this article that was released in like, I want to say 2008 or something saying that these murders were released to the public in September of 1985, which I found no um, supporting information for that, nor did I find anything from the actual people or in the documentary, um, even from the people associated with the Black Coalition fighting against, no, fighting, (laughs) I'm not allowed, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of a mouthful, the Black Coalition fighting back serial murders, yeah. Even according to them, there wasn't anything released. And at this time, I know it was on their radar. And first of all, 1985, how are these crimes announced in 1985 when they didn't even start in 1987 until 1987? So, yeah. LA Times, somebody must have been feeding you some bullshit or you just did not do your research well enough. Anywho... Eventually, the LAPD and the sheriff's detectives realized that several serial killers were actually murdering women. Um, So not only was LFJ active, a couple other motherfuckers, crazy motherfuckers, were active too. Um, And it was a difficult task for the detectives to decide which murders were linked. Which I'm sure of, you know, because... I don't know, when you have like a plethora kind of bodies popping up and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to differentiate differentiate them, especially when you don't necessarily give a fuck about them in the first place. Um, Amongst the other murders, Lewis Crane and Daniel Lee Siebert committed at least two of the murders each. So out of the murders that happened in the area that are documented that they were able to, you know, identify as murders, two of them were committed by, at least by each of them, Lewis Crane and Daniel Lee Siebert. Um, And then a gentleman and I use that word very fucking loosely, named Ivan Hill, as well as Michael Hughes, at least committed one murder each as well. So apparently, I don't know if they were all, I I would really love to know if they had like a club or like a cult where they were just like, yeah, we're going to kill these women and we're going to meet about it, talk about it, share little trinkets and toys and stories and techniques and see who can kill as many people without getting caught. Like, I don't know. Because all these men in this area killing women, like, it's fucking insane. So out of these men being caught, all these type of things, you know, I'm sure they got fingerprinted at some point in time. I didn't do too much research on them. Lonnie LFJ was certified. 
certified with 15 prior felony convictions. Not just like, oh, charge, you're being charged or they're dropped or dismissed. This man was convicted for 15 felonies and his DNA was never taken. What type of fucking shit are we talking about here? Not really sure, but I'm not here for it at all. So um, his charges range from uh, stolen property. I kind of went over this a little bit earlier. Um, grand theft auto, battery, false imprisonment, and even assault. Piece of shit. And I think I also mentioned this in the last episode. Lonnie was a garbage truck driver. So the police speculate that he could have killed as many as, I mean, close to 100 victims um, over the time that he was killing because there were just, well, honestly, so many women going missing um, and so many opportunities for him to get rid of bodies uh, and compost and however they do it at the trash place that I never want to visit or smell drive through ever in my life as long as I live um (laughs) they initially said that he was he took a hiatus like a 14 year hiatus or something absolutely insane and I'll tell you right now that's a fucking lie because Lonnie is a psychopath and like legitimate psychopath and um I honestly don't think he could have stopped killing, like I said, if he tried. So, yeah. So, because LFJ has been killing for almost a good 20 years, in my opinion, because I don't think he took that damn hiatus, um, the police, as incompetent as they are coming off at the moment and for an extended period of time, involving this case or toward this case, they have been picking up evidence that LFJ has been leaving behind, which is, you know, good for us now because police now are able to run some of the DNA that has been found at different crime scenes and such like that, such like that. Um, I don't even know what I was meaning to say. Such as that, maybe? I digress. They were able to run his DNA in the system, but unfortunately, because LFJ has not been, I don't know, fingerprinted. I mean, I'm sure he's been fingerprinted, but his DNA has never been taken, so he's not in CODIS. So, therefore, they weren't able to get any hit regarding his DNA. So, now it's about, what, 2006? 2007 DNA has come a long fucking way and they tried a new technique they tried a technique that involves actually comparing um DNA a DNA sample that you have to familial DNA links that may be in the system may be in CODIS or such as that and lo and behold guess the fuck what they get a match they get a match with someone named Chris Franklin, obviously. Well, not obvious, but Chris is Lonnie's son. And Chris was arrested for some bullshit, I'm sure, because look at his father and obviously they didn't, I don't know, obviously they didn't differ too much because I actually think he was arrested for like domestic violence, something 
something of that nature. So because Chris was arrested and had his DNA taken, um, his DNA was in the system. And since it was so close to the DNA they had um, for the killer, they established that it had to either be like a parent or like an uncle or, you know, something of that nature. But it was definitely a man because these women, you know, were sexually assaulted. Um, They were able to tell that. And it was a father or like an uncle. So this is what they did, which I feel like is smart because Lonnie's a fat ass and he probably wasn't suspecting a damn thing. They set up like this little undercover sting at a pizza shop. And one of the undercover cop or one of the cops dressed undercover as like a pizza guy and took Lonnie his pizza, was serving him. And then when it was time to clean up the pizza, was able to take Lonnie's pizza crust and I believe like a straw or something else that he drank from or something, and <laughs> we're able to obtain his DNA. Now, I will say later, his prosecution tries to get that shit thrown out because they're like, oh, you know, you stole something, but it's like, homeboy, that was trash. You knew it was trash uh, for fair game, and I love that. So once they got that sample, they were able to run it, and they identified Lonnie Franklin Jr. to be, Junior to be a 100% match to the DNA left on the bodies because, oh, I was going to quote someone that you don't even know yet, but I'm going to quote him anyway. To quote his friend Steve, Lonnie was a titty sucker, so he left his DNA on the titties. Goodbye. I mean, Lonnie, if you're going to be sucking titties, a woman that you're killing, the least you could do is like, I don't know, take a moist towelette, some hand sanitizer and like remove the trace of your sloppy ass mouth on her body, you know, just a fucking idea. So (laughs) because of this, they went to his apartment, obviously got a warrant because of this crazy amount of evidence that just has come out of fucking nowhere as far as the DNA match. Um, they went and searched his apartment and found basically a murderous paradise. He had a fuck ton of guns, um, a bunch of mementos from his killings. He even had pictures of some identified and unidentified possible victims. I believe the police found 180 different photos in the, um, that piece of crap's house of different women in different situations, different positions, some half naked, some giving blowjobs, some showing their vaginas with his fingers in them. Um, I mean, the works, man, the works. He was just a really freaky, nasty, creepy, dangerous motherfucker. Um, they specifically found a picture of listen to this, Anitra Washington. And it was buried between two pieces of plywood. That's crazy. Like if you're trying to get away with anything now, it's like, nope. The one person that survived your bitch ass attack is pictured in your home. You know, circumstantial? I think the fuck not. 
LFJ was arrested on July 7th, 2010 for the murder of 10 women and the attempted murder of one woman. Um, and like I said, I did mention Mr. Thomas Steele in the last episode, but unfortunately, Lonnie was never charged with his murder. So um, either his murder is still open, it's an open case, something I'm not sure, which it sucks because we know who we know who fucking did it. Um, so I watched the interrogation video, and basically he's just a complete orangutan and a careless asshole lying through his teeth the whole time. He claims he doesn't know any of the women. He claims um, he knows a quote, literally to quote him. Um, I know a lot of people, but not them. Ugh. And he has like this whole like just smug demeanor about him. He's so comfortable. He's so confident in what he's saying. He's so sure that he's going to get away with this. It's like, why would you... What are you what what are you thinking? You're sucking on titties and stuff and you feel like you're never gonna get caught. Like I know it's been hardcore what? If you started killing in eighty five or eighty seven, I'm sorry. It's been like a good twenty three years. So I don't blame you for thinking, you know, you're fucking invincible. <laughs> but sir, you're fucking not. Um, and it doesn't get you any further with these cops who clearly know and feel in their hearts that you're fucking guilty. So the two cops, they asked him about any weapons, or I should say detectives. You know, there's a level to this shit. Um, the detectives asked him about any weapons he owns, and he reluctantly names a few that he has. Um, they mentioned the 25 cow. And he didn't literally just denies it. He's like, oh, I don't have that. <laughs> I've never seen that. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. I just lied straight to your face. I'm not going to make a habit out of that. I apologize. Um, they brought it up and they said it was used to kill the woman. And he said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And then... <laughs> Once they said, oh, well, we found it in your closet, then he decides to be like, quote, oh, that's not mine. That's my brother-in-law's. I got two things of his. He got evicted, and we went to pick up his stuff last week. Chow boo. Chow boo. Is your brother-in-law living with you at the moment? No. So why is his belongings with you? Why would he have a gun in your closet? I'm not buying it. And if you, LAPD, like I said, you've been incompetent this whole time, but if you decided to fall for this bullshit, I I worry about your well-being and the well-being of the LA community having you as protection. Okay, next. Um, now, this really gr grinded my gears or ground my, I don't know how to say it, but it really got under my skin. He was even cocky and just so disrespectful enough to call one of the women heavyset, saying, ooh, she looked heavyset, giggle, giggle. And it was like a ooh, like a kind of disgust, which is just like, okay. Which in my head, when I first saw that, I'm like, I don't think that he's judging her or saying that he's not attracted to her because she's heavyset. I'm thinking he's saying, Ooh, she's heavy set. Like, I wouldn't have 
killed her because she would have been too much of a burden to move or, you know, try to transport and things of that nature. That's what popped in my head. I could be wrong, but, you know, first thought type of thing, first thought. Um, And then when asked about another victim, he proceeded to say, quote, I don't know her. She's but ugly and I don't know her. You fucking swine. So you want to kill her, snuff out her light super early. And also you have to comment on the fact that she was ugly. Not many words for you, Lonnie. Not many fucking words. So after they arrested Lonnie, um, a press conference was held where this man, I think his name was Chief Beck. I don't know. Honestly, he was an asshole. And he was the police chief, was going in about how hard they worked for the last 25 years um, on the case. Basically just selling so many full fucking assholes types of dreams, just lying through his teeth. Because as you know, this has been going on for so long, they barely even released anything until like the 2000s about it. But you've been working hard for 25 years. Chabu not sold on it and neither was miss margaret prescott who was there at the press conference and actually took the mic away from his stupid ass and started to speak her piece which i'm so happy she did because she needed to let everybody know hey you know this wasn't going down like he said these women have been dead for years you know almost two decades and what the fuck has really been done so don't give them all the credit that they are up here basically begging for So Lonnie pled not guilty to all counts, (laughs) but the police were looking into him for more than 10 other murders. And then plus the 180 pictures found of the different women on his property. You never know how many fucking women could be out there um, that have died, unfortunately, at the hands of this fucking monster. So that we know of, his victim range was 14 to 36, 14 years old. Holy crap. That's a baby. That was me 10 years ago. That's a baby. And all of the victims were either shot with the 25 caliber pistol or they were strangled. Two of them, I believe, were strangled. So although Lonnie... Every time I say his name, I literally just want to, like, start cussing. I can't even think of a cuss word that I want to use toward him. His, he's a fucking twat. Maybe I can call him a twat. I don't know. Um, <laughs> even though Lonnie was arrested in July of 2010, his trial didn't begin until February 2016. So imagine how it felt for these families to have to wait this all this time on top of the 25 years, basically, around the 20, you know, 25 years that they had to wait for the guy to even be caught. They had to wait six more years for him to even stand in front of a fucking jury. So he stood in front of the jury um, during the, the court proceedings and process. I mean, it was kind of a fucking shit show. So like I said earlier, Lonnie's defense team brings up the fact that it was a violation of Lonnie's Fourth Amendment right to take his discarded pizza crust out of the trash can and use it against him, (laughs) which is bullcrap. And I'm glad the judge saw 
that it was because the judge wasn't having it. And he was, it was speculated that the defense was trying to stall the case. There was a scene from the courtroom showing the prosecution, um, which was a team of ladies. Okay, get it, get it. Asking for how long it would take for the results of the DNA comparison. And I'm assuming it's the one regarding the pizza crust and the... (laughs) And the sample that they had from the murders, um, the crime scenes and things of that nature. Because you guys know how long DNA stuff takes. Just forever. So I guess they were waiting on that. And the defense lawyer said... I don't know, but the prosecutor replied, I don't know is not a sufficient answer, which it's really fucking not. And then the defense replied, well, it's the answer I'm giving. And I, I'm sorry, quote, well, it's the answer I'm giving. So a grown man actually said this in court when, like, confronted with the actual legitimate question that has to do with the speed at which this case is going to fucking go on, you know, just like the whole proceedings when you're trying to be a fucking dickhead about it. Cool. Awesome guy. Awesome defense. Um, the defense then proceeded to pop off and kind of throw a whole fit. Okay. He talks about how he has 18 murder sheets to deal with guys. I'm not making this up. This is on YouTube. It's um, I'm going to attach the the link in the description for this episode. But yeah, um, he talks about all the stuff he has on his plate, the cases that he has, how he's had to push back other cases to deal with this one. And if the judge feels that someone can get this done faster than him, then just excuse him from the case. I mean, really showing his whole asshole in this courtroom. Basically crying, being like, well, if you don't think I'm doing a good enough job or I'm not moving fast enough, then find somebody else. And it's like, come on, bro. You know, these crocodile tears ain't getting you nowhere, you grown-ass man in a fucking courtroom. So, yeah. I thought that was fucking hilarious and bonkers. Um, (laughs) He was literally throwing pens and papers in the air. Like... (laughs) Please go check it out. It's great. It's great fucking comedy. So on June 6th, despite all this fucking hooping and hollering and the defense showing his real true character, on June 6th, 2016, the jury recommended the death penalty, sorry, because they convicted him (laughs) and found him guilty of all 10 murders. And the attempted murder. August 10th, 2016, the LA Supreme Court or Superior Court, whatever you want to call it, sentenced him to death for each of the 10 victims named in the verdict. So if I'm reading that correctly and I researched it correctly, this man has 10 death sentences. Like, that's more than a cat could even... So, yeah, they're just making sure that he's dead, dead. Never getting out. Never smiling. Never being happy. Never experiencing anything fucking positive because he's a piece of shit. Okay, that's how I genuinely felt about that. (laughs) Okay, so now that we're done talking about the kind of bones of what 
what the fuck is going on, what the fuck happened with LFJ, his case, things of that nature, his victims. Um, shout out to them. Sorry, beautiful ladies and handsome man. Um, he's a piece of shit and he's rotting. And I hope you find solace, your spirits find solace in that. Um, now I'm going to go over what I learned from the tales of the Grim Sleeper because I cannot stand him with my fucking whole bones and body and I can't stand him even more after watching this. So like I said in the last episode, this was all of this was researched and done by an English guy. British little British little white guy um na- named Nick Broomfield and he made it in 2014 he was with his son as well I think his son's name was Bruce or something like that sorry guys if I did not get that correct if you're listening to this which I would, it would be fucking awesome if you were <laughs> um so I just want to point out that In this documentary, you're going to hear some upsetting things, and I'm not going to say listener's discretion is advised because I've already kind of put that disclaimer out there because it's marked explicit on fucking Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Anchor FM, wherever you're listening to us at. These men got a lot of tea. Okay. I'm just going to say that. Just going to shut the fuck up and say that. So... Let's get into it. 1985 to 2010 was the span of this creepy ass guy's reign of terror. Um, he had three best friends, of course. Like I told you, everyone loved him in this fucking neighborhood. And he had three best friends named Steve, Gary, and Richard. And they were included in the documentary. And basically, when they first are ever seen in the documentary, all they're doing is overselling the fact that um, LFJ was a great guy. I mean, he was, you know, so, so liked. Everyone liked him. Um, But Steve did admit that he stole cars. And that's why they thought the cops were outside at his house when they saw the cops. You know, when he was first getting arrested, he said, oh, you know, I thought it was the cops was there because he stole some cards. He just got caught for that. Nothing this crazy. I never thought this in my wildest fucking dreams, which is a load of fucking malarkey. But I will digress and I will move forward. Um, His friend, Richard, like maybe... 0.5 seconds later piped up and was like he never stole cars he just worked with stolen cars and I should have put quotes around that again um which is just the dumbest thing to say because if you're associated with stolen cars it doesn't matter if you fucking stole it or if you are fucking using it if you have knowledge that it's stolen like you're you're asked out um which made so this Richard's little interruption made Steve recant his statement super quick with this, like, really weird, ugly, uncomfortable laugh. Like, I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to copy it because it was really fucking weird. Go watch it. It's on Hulu. <laughs> um, And then later, the third friend, his name is Gary, called the producers back and said he started to doubt Lonnie's story because of the 25 caliber gun. And the fact that Gary actually saw that gun multiple times. 
like multiple times, as in Lonnie showed him this gun, showed him personally to his face. Hey, look at this gun. Wasn't trying to hide it. Was very obvious with his shit. Creepy guy. Creepy guy. So, um, Gary also admitted that he saw handcuffs fall out of Lonnie's car and saw naked pictures of girls, of a girl, one girl, in Lonnie's house. He saw this with his eyes. Um, Gary also implied that maybe Lonnie wanted him to see these things because listen to this. Because he wanted his friends to collect $250 reward. <laughs> that the public or the victim's families or whoever was offering for um, for information regarding these murders. Um, it's bullshit. LFJ doesn't give a fuck about his friend having money. You know, come on. He would have just said something out front, like, whatever. I'm not listening to Gary, because Gary was kissing LFJ's ass, and then, what, a couple days later, or however long later, he's calling up the producer, he's calling up Nick, and be like, hey, actually, now that I think about it, four years after this man is arrested, um, I saw all these things, and this crazy shit happened. So this is just the beginning, you guys. This is even into the worst fucking part of how shitty these people were. And how much they just basically hid and made excuses for Lonnie's horrible actions. So once he saw, once Gary saw the pictures in Lonnie's house, he said, quote, whoa, where was your old lady? (laughs) As in, where was your old lady when you were taking this picture with this? I'm not going to call her a hoe. You weren't a hoe, mama. With this lady or provocative like, which is a valid fucking question. Sit breaks eye. And he said Lonnie just replied with this with his regular but like weird as hell laugh. Didn't say anything else, just gave this creepy serial killer, I'll cut you in your sleep laugh. Which I find not hard to believe at all. So um Richard. which is another one of his friends, the one that said, oh, he never sold cars. He just worked with, yeah, that friend. Um, He contacted the producers back as well, stating that he had permission from Mrs. Franklin, which is Lonnie's wife, to discuss something that he saw while riding with Lonnie. Please perk your ears up, turn up the fucking volume, listen to this shit. So, they were scouting for a car to steal, right? Mm-hmm, Richard. Oh, he didn't steal cars. He just dealt us a kiss my ass. They were looking for a car to steal, right? Cool. Fine. Not crazy. Not, not, not fine, but not a violent crime. But while they were looking, Lonnie spotted a girl. And I'm assuming she was walking on the side of the road or something like that. Um, but Richard says Lonnie whipped the car around got out of the car, and shared some words with her. Richard apparently stayed in the car, just kind of glancing from the rearview mirror as to what was going on with them. The girl suddenly starts to walk away, but Lonnie grabbed her by the arm, put it behind her, like twisted it behind her back, 
grabbed her by the hair and started dragging her to the car, okay? Richard said he yelled, what the hell are you doing? And then it was like, Lonnie caught his senses, like woke up out of the fucking demonic trance that he was in, realized what he was doing, and just let her go. (sighs) And before Lonnie's bitch ass could even get back in the truck, the police came out of everywhere, every which way corner, which is super surprising to me. Um, What neighborhood was y'all in? What part of it? Because why did the police come out? Who called them? I have no idea. Maybe someone called because they heard her screaming or something. I don't know. But um, after the police got there, they took them out of the truck. Um, Richard even says, yeah, we were both arrested. But he went on to say they were never processed. As in, they were never charged with anything. They didn't have their fingerprints taken. They were just left in separate cells for a couple hours. And then they let them go. No fingerprinting, no DNA, not even taking down any really, like, record of anything. And just let them the fuck go. And Richard never, like, disclosed when this actually took place. But obviously, LFJ was showing himself to be extremely violent and just not trustworthy. I mean, could you hear, like, he said he literally was in a, he had to come about his senses. Like, that shit's insane. And super scary, but yet you still hung out with the nigga. And yet you were still selling bullshit lies when you first met the producer, Chabu. I don't care how incredible um, this person is with finding everything that I need. I don't care if he finds me a unicorn shitting out a leprechaun. I don't care. You're killing women. You're violent. You twisted a woman's arm and pulled her hair and was dragging her right in front of me. And I'm still going to kiss your ass? Absolutely not. Um, so as, as the documentary goes on, obviously the producers come across more people that knew Lonnie. They came across someone that even said he was a good dad because he quote, taught his son how to drive by the age of nine. That is a hot ass mess and definitely not a fucking good thing. I don't care what you say. Parent your kids how you want to parent them, but a nine-year-old driving not ideal. <laughs> so it was also discovered in the documentary that number 147 on the list of photos found in Lottie's house was actually found to be alive um, and not one of the victims. Her picture was taken by Lonnie when she was dating Chris Franklin, who is actually Lonnie's son. <laughs> and they were dating in high school. She disclosed that... Um, he would do anything to get what you asked for. Like everyone else said, he would, whether it was a TV or whatever you needed, he was down. Um, but she also said that she recalled times where he would stand behind the door, like when she, they're hanging out and like in the doorway while her and her boyfriend were in the room together. She said he was sort of like a pervert. She literally said he was sort of like a pervert, which is like no shit if he's staring at you guys, even while you guys are having sex. That's what she said. Like while they would be intimate or just, you know, doing things like that, he would want to stare. He would be in the door on the other side, like just creepy ass shit. But she kept going over there. Anyway, she said the house about the house. Um, it was always dark and he kept pouring in the bathroom always, which is like, 
did his wife ever live here? We'll get into that more, but I just can't help but think that right now. There's porn in the bathrooms. Like, where is she at? Is she okay with this porn? Maybe she's a freak too, but it's like, who? I don't know. It's kind of hard for women, I feel, to like masturbate in a bathroom, like on a toilet. I don't know. Let's not get into that. Sorry, you guys. That's for another segment or something. Um, but she always, she said she remembered seeing him and his friends laughing in the garage. Okay. One of the times that she was there, she remembered seeing them laughing in the garage, passing around a shoebox. Now, I don't know if I disclosed this earlier, but one of the things the police, where the police found these 180 pictures, majority of them were in a shoebox in the garage. <laughs> Fucking insane. So she confirmed that there was a shoebox full of pictures. Um, I mean, she confirmed that this man was a fucking creep. And, oh, she also confirmed that his son was no better. She said that he would literally say that he would kill anyone. Like, you can't, you cannot come across him any type of way. He is completely and entirely unstable and will end you, period. So that's the type of nigga she was with. She said she kind of liked it at that point. I get it. Um, also, excuse me for saying, nigga, like I'm black, like we do do that sometimes, but I'm trying to get out of the habit of it. Does not make it okay. Even though we say it a lot. Okay. Um, later on in the documentary, I really enjoyed this documentary because it was just kind of very just natural and things were just happening. It wasn't, it didn't seem forced at all. It was fucking great. I highly recommend it. Sip break. Okay, so later, his little friend Steve, that was another one of his friends, came out, hit up the producers again, and said Lonnie used to always be asking where the hoes at. Apparently, he was like a a mannish-ass man, (laughs) which is not surprising, because most men are. Okay, Um, Steve then pulls out of, wait, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, listen to this. Steve then pulls out a photo album of explicit and non-explicit pictures of women (laughs) that him and Lonnie took together. Guys, doesn't get any crazy, doesn't get any textbook like these people weren't shit. It doesn't get any more textbook than this. He also pointed out a few women that Lonnie knew. I mean, I'm sure he knew them because, yeah, but I think he meant as far as, like, hooking up with them. Like, he knew that Lonnie had a sexual relationship with them. Um, He also said that Lonnie had a white van with a camera set up in the back. He said this is where Lonnie did his work and showed him more pictures of women exposed as hell and described how Lonnie liked to be in the pictures in some way. Like I said earlier, like by touching or with his fingers or rubbing with his fingers, but you would never see his face. And then this intellectually challenged individual, Gary, comes back up in the picture and says, hey, 
I do recall on a couple occasions, Lonnie asked me to clean his carpets. You know, he paid me to clean his carpet in his van and in his mobile home. And um, these are things that, you know, the police compensated. He said about four or five times Lonnie asked him to clean the carpet. (laughs) Please listen to this part. Trip the fuck off of this. He admitted that he came across not one time, but more than once, came across a substance that looked like quote-unquote oil. And since he didn't know what it was, he just didn't ask. So he just said it was kind of thick, it was dark, and it was in the carpet, and he would just clean it without asking anything. Can you... Just, I mean, this has just... Just idiots, right? Just... Not born with every screw that one should be born with. Another man that doesn't have too much good of fucking sense or no good sense at all. He worked for Lonnie and did a couple jobs for him. Nothing too crazy until this one time that Lonnie asked him to do a stranger job for him. Like a, you know, strange job. And Lonnie asked him to set a car on fire. So the guy, he goes, you know, okay, I'll, I'll do that. It's kind of weird, but I'll do it. So he went to Lonnie's house, drove the car somewhere else, searched the car first because he was a fucking crackhead and honestly just wanted to find something that he could <laughs> pawn or sell, you know, to get some crack. So when he looked in the back seat, he saw female clothing covered in blood and a big blood stain in the back. He said it was undeniable. He knew for a fact it was blood. There was no question about it. He also claims he said nothing of it. Also thought nothing of it. Burned the car and went back to work for Lonnie the next day. Now I get survival, you know, survival of the fittest. You you don't want to snitch. Don't start none, won't be none. But at the same time, like, women are actually dying. Like, people are actually out here being full-blown murdered in horrendous ways. And it just sucks that even the community, as much as they are close and know each other and, it, you know, kind of tight-knit, they, they, they not tight-knit enough to help someone, not, not tight-knit enough to point out that, hey, someone that I've been hanging out with is doing some crazy-ass, unstable-ass shit. And someone should be looking the fuck out for him. Um, moving on. <laughs> the producers also encounter a man named Jerry, who used to work as a mechanic with Lonnie and also rode around with him to find women. So this comes out at this point in the documentary, it comes out that um LFJ was actually hunting for women, which obviously we know this because he's a fucking predator, but to find out that someone else actually knew that he was looking for women too, it's kind of um kind of unsettling because obviously this person that was with him was looking for women too. So this guy, Jerry, admits being with Lonnie and the majority of the 180 women pictured. By the way, also said he'd never been interviewed by the cops. Fucking great one on you, LAPD. Fucking great one. Um, Jerry said he even saw Lonnie torture women. Saw it with his own eyes, as in, like, present. 
in that fucking little stinky trailer or mobile home, whatever it is, or both, whatever. And Lonnie would just give, while Lonnie was torturing these women, he would just give Jerry a little wink, you know, just like a little like, like, you know, what's good. Like, you know, this is, you know, this is how, how, how you like it. Not in like a, a homosexual way, but like a, yeah, like, you know, you like this hardcore shit, which is like so disgusting. My stomach just kind of like went for a loop, but yeah. He would just give him a little wink. Um, Jerry said he also witnessed Lonnie um, have sex with women in the assholes. He said he really, really liked the asshole sex. Um, He saw them beat them up, stick screwdrivers in their vaginas and asses. But Jerry said since he was smoking crack while he was doing it, it didn't bother him. So Jerry witnessed all this like torturous stuff. Some women very visibly uncomfortable, very visibly no longer consenting. But since Jerry was provided with crack and high on crack and a crackhead while this was happening, he was good off of it. Like, shit. I was going to say love is one hell of a drug, but drugs are one hell of a drug because you can see all that and be cool with it just because you're being provided with a drug. Like there's something, something's got a hold on you, my friend, something. But Jerry said, um, he asked the Lord to forgive him, forgive him for the things he'd done, but quote, I know I didn't kill anybody. First of all, if you say something like that, I know I didn't kill anybody. You most likely killed someone. I don't care. If you're associated with all this stuff, watch this man beat women up, fuck them in their butts, stick screwdrivers in their privates and um, anal cavities, and do all these things, and torture women, yeah. You may have killed someone. You may have had definitely, definitely held somebody down while Lonnie did it, at the least. You piece of shit. So, Jerry, you should be in jail. Sit break. Okay. Um, Jerry also said that they would go find women and ask them how much for the both of them. As in, like, how much, you know, would she charge to please or satisfy, give a happy ending to both of them. So the girls would either ask for half and half, which is crack and money, or just one or the other. So what they would do is they would take the girls to the liquor store, get whatever drink the woman liked. Um, He said sometimes Lonnie would just drop him off, but keep the girl with him. Like just randomly drop him the fuck off. Be like, you know, get out and just take the girl. Uh, What the producers asked him about, if these are the women Lonnie killed, this fucking weirdo. And I'm going to say, I'm going to call you a weirdo, Jerry. You're a fucking weirdo and you're, you were a fucking crackhead. I don't know if you are now, but like, you had a shitty time in your life. His response was, they could have been, they could have been, if he did it. <laughs> I mean, there's levels to the street code. Like, I get it, but at the same time, if he did it, we all know he did it. Now, at this point, he wasn't convicted because this is in 2014. 
and he was convicted in 2016, but yeah, still insane. <laughs> I'm not laughing, but I am laughing. So I have spoke about this. I don't want to say incredible lady because something had to also be wrong with her for dealing with such extreme things and seeing such extreme things, but staying in a way. But eh, Sylvia is kind of my bitch at the same time. Here's why. So Sylvia was married to this piece of crap for 30 fucking years. Okay. His best friends, fucking Car- Curly, Mo and whatever the dumb one's name was, stupid men, um, they swear that they never saw them together in the same place ever. Like, as long as they knew, like, they were friends with him and, it, you know, had to been a while, they lived in the same neighborhood, they never saw them ride in the same car, ever. Um, Sylvia apparently had her own house, okay? Had her own house and would only come to old boy's house, LFJ's house, once or twice a week. So that's maybe why she never knew all the batshit crazy stuff he got into and maybe the porn in the bathroom, but that's a fucking reach. It's like, how many bathrooms were in that house? She just separated one? Mm, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Because, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She had to know something. She left him and got her own place. She had to know something. Uh, apparently, she also never went to the backyard. That was Lonnie's domain. And I'm sure if she stepped foot back there, she would have found out something. That was clear as day because Lonnie, obviously, on the account of his friends, wasn't really hiding much. Sip break. (laughs) So, um, let's see. Where was I at? Yeah, so she never went in the backyard. Whatever. Okay. They, meaning his friend Richard and his ex-girlfriend, said that Chris, Lonnie's son, always stayed at the house with his dad. So much so that Richard started suspecting that something was going on that, quote, wasn't right. So, basically, Richard was hinting at some type of abuse going on. Um, by Lonnie toward Chris. Maybe it was when he was younger or if it was still going on now, if they were having an inappropriate relationship with each other, something was going on. Um, Chris always lived at that house. He never lived with his mother. He was always with his father, really just, you know, a big fan of his dad and all these things. So basically it was coming down to if anybody knew anything that was going on, Chris would have known. Chris would have fucking known. But then again, Chris is absolutely crazy himself. So I don't. I don't expect him to, what, turn on his dad? Absolutely not. He worshipped the ground he fucking walked on. So, yeah. So at this point in the documentary, the producers are really trying to find more females, just more people that interacted with Lonnie. Kind of got to know him on a deeper, if you want to call it, level, um, and was around him enough to speak on him. So they found a woman named Pam, and she was kind of known around the the neighborhood, I guess. She was an old crackhead, so of course, on those streets, you kind of get to know people. So she was able to track down Chris's crazy ass, um, which is Lonnie's son, and he didn't want to talk. <laughs> 
So she just gave him her phone number. Kept it moving. Um, they then tried to track down Chris's old nanny. Her name was Lily, who is now living on the same streets that Lonnie used to pro. Or prowl, sorry. He used to hunt on or hunt in, whatever. Um, which is really sad. They asked his this this trick named Roxanne if she'd seen Lily, but she said no. However, she did know Lonnie and admitted he paid her $40 for a blowjob. She was very frank and honest and offered to take her back to his place to, quote, chill in the garage and or camper. Thankfully for Miss Roxanne, she fucking was like, no, like, I don't go with niggas and do sketchy things, which is incredibly smart. Um, so she said, but unfortunately, one of her friends named Beamer was tied up, raped, tied up, raped by him, and then had her throat cut by him. Um, thankfully, she survived that, which is, I mean, having your throat cut, I can't even imagine what that's like. But she survived, like the bad bitch that she is. And she was so traumatized and just had just sheer terror running through her body after the incident that she just left the area completely. Um, she was too scared to do anything. She wouldn't even tell her pimp about it, which I guess is very, very surprising because, you know, back then, women held on to their pimps. They were very loyal um, to their pimps. There was no indication of when this happened. But I'm sure this is why he decided to stick to just shooting his victims um, because other methods may not have been so successful. Pam then found Lily the next morning. And guess where she was? She was staying at a crash pad or like a crack house, if you want to say. Basically a place where crackheads can go to sleep because they don't have nowhere to really go. Um a crash pad right across from Lonnie's motherfucking house. Just insane. And she's been traumatized by the man too. Listen to this. So Lily admitted that Chris admitted that his dad does quote profound things to him. And she or he admitted this to Lily when she was, you know, babysitting for him. So this is when he was younger. And it's sad that his dad, I had a feeling that his dad was like, you know, doing some inappropriate shit, but and Lily confirmed it, which is sad. He's uh, Chris said he would watch his dad through a peephole with all the ladies that he brought around. So, like I said, Chris's mom wasn't living there with them. Chris and his dad were living there. His dad was a sexaholic or just a fucking predator freak and was always trying to have women. He brought women to the house while Chris was there. And through a peephole, Chris got to see firsthand sexual violence i'm sure so that probably fucked him up um lonnie would also tell lily who was his damn babysitter to wear panties Ugh, i hate that fucking word gross and take pictures and stuff and being a crackhead because she wanted the money and the crack that lonnie would give her she would do it but he then started wanting to choke her while he had her handcuffed and um, he wanted to always do anal sex and put a dog collar around her neck while he fucked her like a dog. Excuse my language. I feel so dirty talking like that. She didn't report the abuse that Chris was going through because of her addiction. 
I mean, I don't know either. She thought they weren't going to believe her or she just felt like, I don't know, maybe she just needed them. I don't know. I don't know what, what it was, but she did end up stopping, um, going over there and babysitting because Lonnie just came too became too aggressive and just like perverse for her. Which is so sad because it's like, if you think he's treating you like this, what do you think he's treating his kid like? <laughs> and you're the only person at this moment that can like rescue him because his wife is honestly not truly giving a fuck at all. Um, they were able to find out that a little backstory on Lonnie, his first wife, was said to be the main reason why he hated fucking crackheads because she was a crackhead. Like, straight up and down when she was still money, um, spend all their money on crack. I mean, he said his friends said if he saw a crackhead on the side of the road, he would say, come here, come here. And the guys didn't finish the statement because I felt like he would just berate them and just disrespect them and make them feel shitty. And he was like, you know, man or woman, Lonnie would do this. Um, yeah, so everybody that he knew knew that he hated his ex-wife more than anything in the world and hated also crackheads. When the producers asked why Lonnie would give the crack, why Lonnie would give the crackheads crack, they replied quick as hell. I literally bookmarked the down to the second when this was like spoken. Um, and I'll tell you right now, it was an hour and 14 minutes and 44 seconds in. They said, quote, to get them in the car. All of them were on crack and were looking for crack, cash, or a trick. They would fuck the, they would fuck with men, but didn't realize they were effing with the wrong one. Ha 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 ha. If you got in Lonnie's car, you weren't getting out. Cackle, cackle. You ain't coming unless you dead. That's what someone said. It was a gentleman. No. Once again, I used the term fucking as loose as a fucking goose. It was a man that said that. If you got in Lonnie's car, you weren't getting out. You ain't coming unless you dead. So just the 372nd example of how shitty these people were. Um, and how they knew a lot more than the fuck they were letting on. So they then got a call from Richard, who... <laughs> was one of the friends from the beginning. And now, guys, this honestly cracked me. First, this cracked me up. So, this man, he calls the producers because he just got out of fucking the hospital because he got his ass beat. And guess who got it? Guess who beat his ass? Chris. Lonnie's son. Chris said to him, I heard you've been talking about my dad. And then Richard said, all of a sudden, four men walked up and started attacking him. So clearly it wasn't Chris who put his hands on him, but this happened because of Chris, obviously. So while the men started attacking him, Chris got in the car and just pulled off. Like, gee, like, you're going to be talking, running your, running your fucking mouth about my dad? Okay, bet. Like, this is what you're about to deal with. So um, <laughs> as Richard is telling the story... Listen, 
as Richard is telling this story in the moment, the producers and Richard get pulled over by a passing cop for not wearing a seatbelt. This is just insane. Like, Richard was literally, listen, Richard was literally like, hey, like, you know, um, make sure you use face four. You don't have your seatbelt on, put on your seatbelt. So when the cops pass, I hate when I can't talk. When the cops passed, Richard was shitting bricks. And because these are English white guys, they don't expect anything to be wrong. But they were both not wearing their damn seatbelts and they got pulled over. I'm sorry, guys. I'm like stuttering and being a hot mess because my eyes aren't even looking at my notes right now. I just went into space and was on autopilot. Forgive me. I'm back now. I'm here with you guys. But yeah, so they got pulled over. The British guys had to get out of the car and basically explain what the fuck was going on and why there was this black guy in the backseat. And it was just a hot mess. Guys, you should really watch it because it was so, like I said, it's so in the moment and genuine. I really liked it. I really liked the documentary. So last but not least, before I close out this whole story on Lonnie Franklin, thank the fucking Lord. I'm so sick of this piece of shit and ready to move on to other pieces of shit. Um, the producers finally met up with Chris. They were able to get his ass to sit down, take a chill pill and have a conversation. Um, he said, Chris said that he feels guilty for his DNA being in the system because it was the thing that brought his dad down. He said some family members won't even talk to him. Actually, most of his family members won't even talk to him because they blame him and they consider him to be a snitch when it's like, I didn't even open my mouth to say one word against this man. Like I just had my own shit to deal with. How was I supposed to know? Unless he did. How was I supposed to know that my dad was out here committing crimes and shit? And as many times as his dad was arrested, why would he think that his dad was never in the system? Like, this is just, you know, just a family being, honestly, I think, in denial. Um, He claims his dad was his best friend. Sad face, I guess, but not really. And all that extra shit. Um, he also said his dad has a lot of fans in the Justice Department to this fucking day, you guys. To this day. And they get excited when they see Chris. Not even just, not even Lonnie. They get excited to see Chris because he's Lonnie's son. Um, he said he gets a lot of fucking fan mail. I mean, which is crazy. And just a lot of support from people. Not necessarily saying that he's not guilty, but just saying like, you know, I admire what your dad was trying to do. Just very sick shit. Like a lot of sick shit. And to think that some of these people are in charge of protecting other people, in charge of protecting the very women that Lonnie was out here murdering and raping is unfathomable. But it's happening, so I digress. Um, apparently, there's a term that's known within the police. It's called NHI, or No Human Involved, to describe the murder of drug addicts and prostitutes. Um, and many people seem to feel that applies today. That was back in the 80s. But like I said, many people feel like it still goes on. So if this is going on, I mean, you're shitting me. Like, come on. It's 2019. Every life matters. 
Not trying to be like all lives matter, but every life does matter. You know what I'm saying? No one should be being out here killed just because they are making shitty choices in their own lives and not physically hurting other people. So, but to close this horrible story, by the way, Lonnie has not been killed yet, unfortunately. Um, but to close the story on a good note, out of the 180 women that were found pictured in his garage and his apartment, they did find more survivors. They were able to find more survivors, and the producers actually were able to track down two or three and speak with them. So that made me really happy to see that some women were able to get away and um, make it out of that shithole, you know, and dealing with that shithead, they made it out alive, so. That really, that really made me happy. <laughs> all right, you guys, that's all I have for you on LFJ. I'm so sick of saying his name and that damn three-letter thing. I'm over it. I'm ready to talk about some other shitty Cracker Jack. So keep a lookout later this week. Actually, I feel like I'm going to release another episode. So yeah, to know for sure, check out our Instagram page at Black True Crime Podcast um, for updates on that. I'm also releasing some more pictures today as well for this episode um, regarding this case. So have fun with those. All right, before we go, IG shout outs. I may keep doing these after 100 just because I I don't know. I love them and kind of like, you know, sharing this time with you guys <laughs> as corny as I may fucking sound. So let's get started. First shout out goes to at p.i.magazine. What's up, guys? Thanks for the follow. Shout out to at Murder Friends Pod. I think that's a podcast that I need to check out fucking ASAP. Hi, guys. Welcome. <laughs> um, shout out number three, at What Does He Know? Probably nothing. Fucking patriarchy. Shout out to Wine and Crime. I'm just kidding. Um, at What Does He Know? I'm just kidding, okay? Hey, thanks for following. <laughs> You'll probably unfollow now, but don't. Okay. Number four, at Magique, M-A-J-E-K, Media. What's going on? I need to check your page out. Anything with media at the end has my full attention. Number five, at Tiger Lily. Lily spelled with an E-Y, 77. Hey, what's up? I don't know if you're a guy or a girl, but I'm digging the tiger. And the lily, actually. So thanks for the follow. Number seven, if I can count correctly, which I clearly can't. Number six, <laughs> at American Crime Fest. Fuck yes, anything American, anything crime, and anything fest, I'm fucking in there. So thanks, guys. Number seven, at Ms. Sherelle. Ms. Sherelle, welcome to the, the crew. The, okay. Excuse that. Welcome. 
just welcome. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Number eight at lace and lip gloss. Love it. I fucking love lip gloss. And if someone actually bought me lace, I would probably love lace too. Hey girl or boy. I don't know. Hey, thanks for the follow. Number nine at crime column. Hi, definitely need to check you out. Like I said, anything crime, like I, I clickbait for me type crime and I'm clicking. I don't get, I don't care. And last but not least, number 10, at podcast underscore promoter underscore. So basically, pretty straightforward. If you need anything promoted um, related to your podcast, hit them up. Give them a follow. And by the way, thank you for the follow. Thank all 10 of you guys for the follow. Um, Keep recommending us. Keep reposting us. Um, comment on some of the stuff. Tell me what you guys think so far. Be brutally honest. I have tough skin. I can handle it. Just talk to me, you guys, because I'm I'm waiting and I need it. I'm just kidding, but it would be greatly appreciated. Okay, I'm done talking. I've been fucking talking your off. You're sick of hearing my voice. All right, you guys. That's all I have for you today day so i hope you had an amazing time here at block to crime and i'll see you guys later <laughs> you have a right to kill me i have a right to do that but you have no right to judge me <laughs> <laughs>